I'm I'm usually pretty good. I'm usually pretty candid with my interviews. So <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you're interviewing us, so. Yeah, because. Welcome to You Are the Host, and by you, I mean Parker. Welcome, Parker. Thank you, guys. I'm so excited to be here. We are excited to have you. Yes, very excited. That was less creepy than that Kyle episode. Remember when I said that? Oh, <laughs> excited to have you. I said it the way that I used my tone. It made it sound it's so ju- Yeah, it's just the uh, is the tone, the kind of like uh, emphasis and enunci- enunciation like made it really weird. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, why don't you start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself and then we'll go from there. All right. So I am a artist and a writer. Um, I've got my first novel coming out this spring, A Realm of Flame and Ruin, which is a sapphic fae fantasy that I've been working on. So I'm super excited about that. Very nice. Heck yeah. Um, nice. You say you're an artist in general. Is there anything else you do besides... Uh writing yeah i do uh i do digital art and i do some painting um i was lucky enough this uh summer to sell some of my digital prints at artist markets uh, and i did really well with that that's awesome um you say digital art do you uh, is that what you said you said digital art right do you mean uh like like graphic design yeah like Or, or what do you what do you mean by that so if I had to like classify it, it's mostly just like personal projects and stuff. So like basically people on the internet, you know, pay me a lot of money to draw their characters and like different scenes and stuff. Um, but I've also branched into like merchandising and selling some of my own designs. So that's been fun too. Okay. That's cool. That is really cool. Um, so I guess we'll just jump right into it, and I'm assuming that that's one of the topics you brought today is your novel, so you can go ahead and talk about your novel, uh, maybe give us the synopsis, and then we'll ask questions as we need to. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, so Around the Flame and Ruin is about this 19-year-old human girl, and when you meet her, she you know, has been struggling by in life. And everything basically kind of just catches up to her and gets to a boiling point. And, you know, she's tried for theft and, you know, ends up being this human sacrifice. She's being, you know, offered to the Fae. And she grew up in this remote village and, you know, she doesn't believe in the Fae. She thinks there's just some random serial killer out there. And she's just like, oh, it'll all be over. I'm not going to have to worry about anything over anymore. You know, she just kind of accepts it. And then, you know, surprise, the Fae actually turn out to be real, and she ends up in what is my take of the wild hunt. Um, and she's basically hunted alongside other humans for sport. And our other main character, Alvara, who is the lady of the Court of Flames, comes in on horseback and pretty much steals her from the hunt and makes her a part of her court and turns the whole Fae realm upside down because how dare she put a human in such a you know, well-regarded position and basically upstarts a whole war. Okay, so a book about the Fae. Nice, I've, I've read maybe two books that have to do directly with the Fae. Yeah. Lore, anyways. I don't know if you're following that or not, but... Um, so, you are you self-publishing or did you sign with a publisher? So, I was talking with a small indie publisher for, you know, a minute... 
Um, but until I have anything, you know, kind of concrete in writing, it's going to be a self-published project. So I've been paying for, you know, everything out of pocket. I've been lucky enough to be, you know, surrounded by amazingly creative people. And I've been working with one of my, um, close friends to, you know, design the cover. And, you know, my wife is my editor, um, they're a freelance editor and they've been, you know, sitting with me and, you know, editing as I go. And it's just, it's been amazing. I know it's definitely not interesting to like most people when I ask that question because, well, I'm an author too, and I've published uh, two books and they're self-published. And for some reason that, that stuff's interesting to me, but maybe that's only because I'm on that side of it. So like people who are reading books probably don't give a shit about it, (laughs) but um, because for me, it's like when I was researching how to publish a book and it was between traditional and self-publishing and I chose self-publishing, there was all these articles about you got to get your beta readers. You got to get this and that. And and to be honest, I didn't do a lot of that. <laughs> <But> <laughs> did you get beta readers for your book? Um, I I opened beta. I will be honest. I did open beta reader applications, but as of right now, I only theoretically have one official beta reader. Um, and they are not going to be seeing the book until you know it's almost published. So like before all the final edits are done. Um, but yeah. So have you gotten any uh, feedback creatively from anybody on it? So not just like editing for obviously the writing, but like the actual creative side of it. Has anybody given you any feedback on it? So my wife has, and I say that because they edit as I write, but they also yell at me to not tell them anything as I'm writing because they don't want spoilers because they're also reading it as I'm writing. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, well, yeah, because I didn't, yeah, I had two people, not beta readers, but just give me advice on stuff that wasn't quite lining up in my book. And I don't know, I find it hard to get criticism while you're in the process of making something like you just spent hours on a couple chapters and then you you let somebody see it and they're like, ah, that part doesn't make sense. That part doesn't make sense. It's, it, it hurts. It hurts. How do you handle that? I mean, I try to handle it as well as I can. You know, I don't have, you know, the greatest backstory myself. Um, So, like, for me, criticism is very hard. Um, But I know that it doesn't ever come from a place of being malicious. So I try to keep that in mind. And I also, you know, sometimes I just have to take a step back and then come back and, like, read it from somebody else's point of view to kind of get what they're saying mm-hmm. yeah um do you- yeah having the perspective from somebody that's not not the artist you know like you're the artist you're you're creating that story so getting another perspective i i understand where that'd be it is hard to take but it's also like uh, like you said like it's not malicious it comes from a place of love like they want you to you know create what you're creating and make it perfect, or as perfect as it can be. Um, I I can't relate exactly, but I knew, do know what you're saying with that. So I figure we could track back over and actually talk about the, the book a little bit, but the issue for me is that it's not, from what you've described, it's not necessarily my style of book. So I don't know if you've... I don't know what kind of books you're really really into Emily but you, I don't know if you oh, had, you're asking me yeah because I don't know if you had some questions about the book so that we could talk actually about the structure of the story um 
it, it's not my uh, yeah, first, it's, first <laughs> pick of genre. It's not no. for it's not for either of us. Um, could could you maybe talk about? Um, and this doesn't have to be a thing. This is just what I see a lot in modern authors. Is is there a message that you're trying to send through your writing other than just the story that is uh, um, obviously fiction? Is there another message you're trying to send that's based kind of in reality? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, there is a lot of... Um, there's a lot of symbolism in my book. Um, so, the book in general, like, some of the main themes are dealing with, you know, trauma and how that affects the everyday life. There's a lot of conversations about that and a lot of depiction of that. Um... So there's that, and then there's also a lot of, like, subliminal, I want to say almost subliminal, uh, you know, stuff in there where, you know, you have Kier, and a lot of her stuff is dark. And, you know, for me, that is kind of a physical manifestation of all of the gross, icky things that she feels and you know that she's gone through and what have you and then we have alvara who is fire she is anger and rage and passion and warmth and light and that's you know um that's referenced in the book okay that's cool um who would you this is this is something that usually you would uh if you were um God, i forgot the name for it now <laughs> anyways uh what Fan, if you're if I'm a fan of what show or what book, what would make me want to read this book? That's basically what I'm trying to ask. So if you are a fan of um, like a Court of Thorns and Roses or anything in that type of area, you would probably like this book. It's very similar but gay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that little uh, that little extra piece there um yes baby our baby is crying now um a <laughs> long term where do you see uh your writing going is it this book becoming big is it writing a sequel and then y you never get found what's what's your what's your path that you want to that you want to follow and hope to get to so the first thing that i would love to happen is for it to be popular enough that I get to do in-person signings. And then I can give you a little bit of exclusive info on that part, where if the book is well-received enough, and if it is, you know, enough interest, um, I would like to carry it over into a trilogy, and I've already started planning out book two. Okay. Um, okay. That, I'm going to say something, but that, lead, that, that what you just said leads me to another question, but... Um, in-person signings, your book doesn't have to be that big for it, you know. I'm not... My book didn't sell like crazy, and I've still done in-person signings, mostly for people I know, but... Well, <laughs> it still counts, right? Right, that's still... <laughs> still an in-person signing. Whether we asked for it or not. Well, <laughs> now that's, that's harsh right there. That's harsh, man. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Taylor asked for his birthday to be roasted, so I'm just... I'm, you can't I, waste all your roasts I know, here. I know. I'm, I'm still <laughs> writing my material, and some of it just slips out. <laughs> Gosh, I should have asked the question first, because now I forgot, because apparently having a child makes you forget everything. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I just had it, too. Can somebody remind me what you were saying just before I made that little insert? 
uh, oh, about oh no, I got it. Book two and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I got it. So, um, what what kind of author are you? Because again, this is a question that probably doesn't matter to like anybody who's reading. But as an author myself, I'm interested. So, what kind of author are you? Do you like do you plan your stories out with plot points and fill the the gaps, or do you just start writing and you write? So my writing style is, I would say that it's very organic. Um, I kind of, you know, sometimes I'll plan scenes out ahead of time, and I'll be like, well, at some point this is going to happen. But other than that, the story kind of just takes me wherever it takes me. So, like, I'll just be sitting there, and I'll just be writing, and, you know, it'll be like, oh, I didn't plan for that to happen, but it's in there now. Yeah, so... So you're sort of a hybrid. I don't know. Yeah, because I would say I'm a seat of the pants. That's what they call it, seat of the pants. Uh-huh. I just sit down and go. <laughs> but yeah, so it sounds like you're like a mixture where you kind of have an idea, but then you still just kind of mm-hmm. let it flow. Which for my third novel that I should be working on more, but I'm not uh, currently focused on it. But I actually have the ending already. And now I'm just trying to figure out how to get from the start to the ending. So those are the only two plot points I have. You better be careful with that. Why should I be careful with that? I, I think that if you, I don't know, maybe you are creative enough of a person, but I think if you just have the the ending in mind, you might like bullshit your way through your book. So like, it's like a, it's a good plot. Like it's very interesting, like what happens, but getting there, like the journey isn't like, it doesn't like captivate mm. people enough to like want yeah. to read it i have some general thoughts uh-huh. of what's going to happen but i don't know if it'll actually map out that way once i start writing dialogue and actual interactions mm-hmm. but um so parker when when will your book release and where uh can people get it so it will be releasing uh somewhere between early to mid-march i'm still waiting for you know cover art and uh final editing and all that stuff to get done um, so we don't have a date pinned down yet, but we do know that it's going to be sometime in March. Uh, and then you will be able to find it on Amazon, you know, of course, and, you know, digital and physical copies. And I'm thinking about putting it on Google Play Books and digital. Okay. Yeah. That would definitely, uh, spread it to more people. Yeah, absolutely. Are you going to do an audiobook? If the opportunity were to arise to do an audiobook yes but as of right now i don't have any plans for one it's tricky to do audiobooks i was gonna go down that route myself but it's hard to find someone who wants to read it and actually read it nicely okay uh um have you uh have you found it hard to continue writing with life getting in the way i know this is a weird writer question again so many questions that only authors would actually care about but do you find it hard to keep on track and actually like live your life and not just dedicate yourself only to writing i definitely i definitely find it to be a struggle um because i do have two girls you know um you know they're both under the age of 10 they're both homeschooled so they're home with me all the time um, so, you know, you kind of try to get writing in where you can, but I'm also lucky enough to have enough people in my life that we can kind of, you know, juggle kids around and juggle responsibilities around. Um, so that way, you know, I do have, you know, opportunities to write and I've actually set myself, you know, a goal, you know, I have a word tracker. It's like, okay, well I have to get at least a thousand words done, you know, every day to, you know, keep on track. Okay. And, oh man, you set goals for yourself? 
That's too responsible. I can't do that. I can't do responsibility. Uh-oh, the baby's going bye-bye. <laughs> this is what it's like, trying to continue things that are creative while having a family, and then that family comes first, so... <laughs> Absolutely. It's so it's so challenging. We've we found since we came back after having our baby that podcasts almost always like get interrupted and it's it's just what it is. It's going to be what it is. So uh and I have like a 6 billion other hobbies and it sounds like you do other things too. So man, is it a struggle. <laughs> yep. Um have you found that you are inspired by things in your real life that you end up putting into your art, be it the digital art or the or the books? Yeah, so um, I actually pull a lot of uh, experience and a lot of things from my real life, both into my art and my writing. Um, for me, f art for a while, I did a lot of vent art where, you know, a lot of emotions and feelings and, you know, what have you went into that to cope. And then, you know, with the book and stuff, um, it's been really really interesting because you know the main characters are you know kind of based on myself and my wife um, and the whole theme of the book is you know loving somebody through you know the darkest bits of themselves so I've been pulling things you know from you know how I experience you know flashbacks or um, you know passing out to you know how my wife deals with you know one of my meltdowns Okay, yeah, that's and I think that those are the best places to draw <laughs> art from to be honest as a as a primarily prim primarily a musician that's where like almost all of my creativity comes from. So, I could definitely agree with that. Um and then I was wondering uh cuz for me I <clears throat> I think I have so many hobbies that I never get a break from my hobbies, but is there anything you do to just like I'm not going to do Zero. I want to do zero writing. I want to do zero art because I need to uh, reset. Because I never do this, and it's probably something I should figure out how to do. But I mean, it's in the same wheelhouse. But I've picked up reading again. I used to read a lot as you know, a young adult. Okay. Um, but I've I've picked up reading again, and I've learned to love reading again. Um, so I've been just you know, when I'm not doing art or I'm not writing. I'm reading somebody else's writing. Do you find that that will sometimes, I don't know if I want to say negatively, but will influence the way you're writing and maybe in a way you don't like or you do like? I feel like it does because you have so many amazing authors out there and there are so many amazing stories. Um, and I personally just hold myself to incredibly unrealistic standards. Um, so I'm always just kind of like, is it good enough? Are people going to like it? It's not, I don't think it's good enough, you know, I don't think it's as good as this writer or as good as this story, but, you know, it's something that I kind of have to work through. Yeah, um, that's actually really good because the way I see it, and I, not everybody might agree with this, but if you think that your art is, like, really good, or potentially you're saying your art's the best, chances are you're not that great. Because <laughs> <laughs> that ego will just get in the way of actually making something uh, creative. If you're not, like embarrassed about your artwork and being like I don't think I want people to read this or, or see this or hear this because it's going to be it's going to be awful you're probably going on the right path because you can't it's it's like narcissism you can't love yourself that much it's just it's negative <laughs> yeah it's uh, like originally originally this was not going to be a published work 
this was originally something that I had been um, writing and working on for myself, you know, as a way to heal my inner teen. And, uh, you know, my, my little family grouping has been after me forever. They're like, you are such a good writer. You know, you're so creative. You need to publish something. You should publish something. And I was like, I've always wanted to publish something. I've wanted to be published since I was 14 years old. You know, it's so easy to self-publish now. That this is just going to be the year that I finally do it. Yeah. Uh, and for anybody who's listening to this who's like, I've always wanted to write a book and publish it, but it's out of the realm of possibility for me. I'll tell you what. Self-publishing is extremely easy. Like, like you're going, you're going the extra mile, and you're actually doing like, uh, you're paying. I'm assuming for uh, cover art and uh, marketing and whatever you might be paying for. For myself, I published my book, and it costed me next to nothing because I wrote the book, and then for my cover art, I just uh, was able to like, I I spent money on it, but I was able to basically just go to a website where you can buy like already made art, and it was it was like. Ten dollars, I think, to buy my uh, my cover arts for all of my books. So it's extre- it's dirt cheap to actually publish a book if you just have the means to type it. That's it. <laughs> or you don't even have to type books. You could write it and send it to a place, and they'll actually type it and print it for you. But so yeah, there's that. <laughs> um, I want to ask who your favorite author is, but I'm pretty sure I'm not going to know the name that you say, but shoot it has and it always will be Christopher Pliny um, you might know him from Aragon okay I know the I know the book but I don't know his name um, the Aragon cycle was you know a huge thing for me growing up um, so I've always I I'm, I have to say I'm not a fan of his you know newer work I'm just I cannot get into aliens but you know I was I was there for the dragons yeah, that was Aragon was very cool, and I remember playing the video game and thinking this is actually a really good video game. <laughs> I don't know if you ever played the game or not, but I never played the game, and as far as I'm concerned, the movie does not exist. <laughs> yeah, the movie not so hot. The video game pretty good though. <laughs> um, yeah, my I can't I can't do. I'm surprised you answered that so easily because I can't do favorites for like pretty much anything because I'll every month I'll have a new favorite in every category. <laughs> like I'll have I'll have favorite books like right now you know my favorite books are like I said you know Sarah J Mass's um, A Court of Thorns and Roses series I'm like hyper fixated on those but for me it'll it'll always be Christopher Pellini because of how he wrote Aragon and because of who Aragon was as a person. That that's why it will always be my favorite. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I have no further questions about your book or you as a writer. If you would like to fill me in on anything in the audience on anything that you would think we should know, go right ahead and do it right now. I don't know if I have anything. I just come on and I you know I talk about my book and sometimes I talk about my life experiences as you know a survivor and as somebody who you know lives with the ongoing effects of trauma so other people don't feel alone um, that's you know that's kind of it that's just what I do yeah that's awesome I think uh, for me I, I don't know I've never I've never done uh, I've done podcast interviews because we run a podcast but I've never done an interview in the sense of um, trying to like promote something of mine and uh that's mostly because i could have done that but that's mostly because i think like being just being authentic on 
some format like this. It, it just gets people to know you a little deeper, and I think that if people know you a little deeper, they'll probably like your work or just get your work because they know you in a little deeper level. If that right. makes sense. When I, um, when I was like, well, okay, we're going to publish this, um, you know, I was like, okay, well, I have to figure out how to market it. I have to figure out how to kind of sell it. I was like, well, you know, I don't have the means right now to do a physical book tour, you know, to go out and meet people and stuff. But, you know, I, I love podcasts. You know, Lore uh, is one of my favorite podcasts. Um, and, you know, I was like, you know, podcasts are cool. Podcasters are cool, you know. I'm going to go see if there's anybody who kind of wants to talk about, you know, my book and what I'm doing and, you know, see how it pans out. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and again, I think that this format's probably the best promotion that people can get. Maybe not our show because our show is not huge, but in general, generally speaking. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to say uh, you you have the possibility of reaching a much larger audience with with podcasting. Um, sorry, I had to tend to the baby for a minute there, but I was still listening. I could still kind of hear through the headphones that mine are loud enough where I could still kind of hear what you're saying. Um, you were talking about how you're writing is you working through some past traumas do mm -hmm. you i'm gonna ask maybe a couple of questions about that do you feel like you have um overcome anything through your writing and do you think that that's the only area of your life that you've that you've done that i don't think it's the only area in my life that i've done that um you know sketching and you know uh digital artwork has helped a lot too with that um i don't think that i've a hundred you know percent overcome everything that has happened to me because there were you know there were horrible horrific things that were done to me as a child and i don't think i'll ever be a hundred percent over them but in the past couple years through writing and art and you know a lot of therapy and stuff it's helped me to work through a good chunk of it. Well, that's good. That's good that uh, that you found something that can help you work through things. Um, when you say therapy, do you mean like talk, traditional talk therapy? So I am, you know, I, I've been going through traditional talk therapy for quite a while. Um, and then I also have a psychologist that's, you know, on my medical team and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's there's a lot that goes into it. I also am pagan. So when you are, you know, pagan and you're practicing and stuff, um, there's a portion of it that's called shadow work. And basically you learn to sit with the, you know, really icky, dark parts of yourself. And you learn how to deal with things and accept things and what have you. And that's been a big help, too. That's good that you that's good that you have all of that yeah um i mean especially your writing hopefully you can you know get uh get something more out of that than just the the processing but i think that's really good um i also overheard uh you mentioned that you were waiting on some uh art to come back did you hire someone to to make the art for your book or did you are you kind of doing it yourself and just working through getting that done so I had actually uh, released some art that I had done myself of the two main characters, Kier and Alvara. 
Um, I was lucky enough to have a friend of mine who has some graphic designing experience, um, and they had done some uh, artwork for me in the past. Uh, and I came to them and I told them, listen, this is a project that I'm working on. This is kind of, you know, the general vibe of it, what have you. Do you think you'd be able to design a book cover for me? And they were like, yeah, you know, let me draw you up, a, you know, a mock-up and, you know, we'll, we'll take it from there. And I was like, cool, you just quote me a price, you know, what have you. Mm. And, you know, about $100 later, uh, we're working on designing all three covers for the books. <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. Um, uh, I I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but I got to know, how did you get your nickname? <laughs> so, I am a very big anime fan. Okay. And one of my favorite animes forever has been Sailor Moon. Uh, I'm glad it went there. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not familiar with, like, I know of Sailor Moon, but I don't know much about the, like, anything about it, really. Um, I'm so, guessing there's like a character that you like. Yeah, so okay. you have Sailor Moon, and Sailor Moon's Japanese name is Usagi, which basically means bunny, and all of her stuff is bunny themed. Okay. <laughs> and because I love bunnies and I love Sailor Moon, everybody just started calling me bunny, and it's gotten to the point where my daughter, my oldest daughter who's eight, her name is Serena after the 1990s American edition of Sailor Moon. Oh my! I uh, I'm so glad that it came from Sailor Moon and not from that animal anime that's on net. It's like a Netflix exclusive. I don't remember what the fuck it's called, but Beastars. <laughs> yeah, Beastars <laughs> and the bunny in there. Well, she's a rabbit, but she's like she basically just the school whore. So oh <laughs> yeah, good. It didn't come from that. Well, because she's oh. a rabbit, so the joke is you know. Well, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, you would say that. You said you sounded like you had more. I just <laughs> had to interrupt with that. No, you. Oh. Beastar is actually really good, though. I thought it was good. I don't know. God, I don't watch as much anime as I used to, though. I don't watch any. What so was I the first know. anime you ever watched? It was Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was Sailor Moon. Like during the really like I don't know if you guys remember. Like, really, really early in the morning, I think it might have been WB or whatever, when they would have, like, the anime on really early morning, mm-hmm. I caught, like, the tail end of an episode, and it was just downhill from there. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Downhill Inst- is Instant to... fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cartoon Network would do the same thing. On Adult Swim, at, like, four in the morning, they would always play uh, random, generally more American anime, but, yeah, still anime. Yeah. I remember friend, watching Naruto on Adult Swim. Naruto, yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, Ranma Half. That was the first anime I ever yes, watched. I love that one. It's a, it's a deep cut, though, man. You can't. <laughs> it's a weird one. <laughs> it was the first ever uh, anime with a transgender, I think. Is that right? It's not. That's <laughs> not actually what it is, but but they were alluding to that. Okay. Because he would turn into a girl when, I can't remember when, but. Okay. And then he would turn back into a boy sometimes. I can't remember the exact plot line. But... I, it beats me. I don't know anything about it. That's an accurate description of Ranma, right? Turns yeah, into like, a girl. Basically, the whole thing, it was it was martial arts, but everybody turns into a secret form. 
Yeah, wasn't one of the guys a panda? Yeah, one of the guys was a panda. There was shampoo. I loved shampoo, but I can't remember what she turned into. One of the guys turned into a pig. Mm-hmm. And I was like 12 or 13 watching this, and it was like they were constantly showing titties. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> Back when the TV ratings were a little different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, different allowance, different uh, different allowances at that time. Um, a lot of times on this podcast, everything gets blended into uh, just a conversation because that's uh, what a podcast is. But I don't know if you had anything, uh, any other topics that you had brought besides talking about uh, just your book, obviously. And if you did, if you would like to bring that up now. No, I think I think that was about it. Okay. Um, how long have we been going? I have no idea. We could call this a short episode, or we could keep going. It's up to you. You're the host. Yeah. I mean, I can I can talk about my book all day if you let me. I gave you the opportunity. I said I didn't have any more questions. Uh, Emily did, but she wasn't here. Uh, I said I don't have any more questions, so you can just talk about whatever you would like. Yeah, anything at all. I think I got all the questions. You know, my since becoming a parent, my brain is mush, so there might have been more, but it's deep, like sinking in a hole somewhere. Do, does that <laughs> totally, does that part I totally change? Relate. Yeah, she is a parent, right? Right, you're. A parent, you said you have said, you yeah. have two girls, yeah. Yeah, I have two girls, two years apart, and uh, they are. Well, the youngest one's feral, and the other one is an artist. <laughs> okay. Okay, so someone's uh, following in their mom's footsteps. Yeah, she uh, she's constantly, you know, painting or drawing or, you know, can you make me this kind of character? Can you make me this kind of character? Can you draw this? Can you do this? And I'm just like, you're going to have to, like, hold on five seconds. But, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's boom, 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 boom. Wants everything right now. Um, oh, yeah. Do you think that uh, – did, did you, like, introduce – uh, many forms of art to her like since she was little or did she kind of just like have a natural interest she kind of just had a natural interest like I don't you know force my kids to do anything okay. so you know it's not like I was you know shoving a paintbrush in her hand but she kind of just saw me doing stuff and doing my own thing and she's like I want to try that and I'm just like D here take it yeah why not I think that's kind of an interesting thing like um, uh, parent or kids will just kind of want to follow what their parents are doing, whether it's you know something like uh, something artistic or something. Me, you know, might pick up some bad habits from us. That's like, right, Sapphire. Yeah. You're uh, gonna be in a band. Uh, oh, <laughs> you're gonna make her be in a band? No, she's just gonna follow my footsteps because she, she might because she loves her dad. She could, or she could sit and watch soap operas with me. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Parker, are you from the South? No, I'm actually originally from the uh, Northeast. I'm actually, you know, originally from Pennsylvania, and I uh, decided that it was going to be a great idea the one day just to, you know, pack up whatever we could in our minivan and, you know, move west. <laughs> hmm. Uh, I, the only reason I asked is I thought I heard some uh, drawl in your voice, but... <laughs> no, I, I, was, I, was I was born in a little valley in the middle of... Nowhere, Pennsylvania, where everybody thinks they're southern. <laughs> that oh. sounds 
<laughs> I mean, besides that little last part you put, a little valley in Pennsylvania sounds like amazing to me anyways. Yeah, it sounds this peaceful. This is coming from somebody who wants to live in the woods and nature, so I guess that's... Yeah. I mean, I basically lived at, you know, the very base of a mountain, you know. Yeah, that would be uh, great. Where we Ooh. moved, so, like, that was... You know, the kids basically grew up, you know, most of their life, you know, traipsing through the forest, playing in a creek, and now they're out here in the desert. <laughs> that's oh. uh, that's a pretty big change. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you in a more, uh, uh, are you still in like a rural type of setting or are you like more, more in a populated area? Just tell us so exactly where you live. <laughs> no, I mean, no, don't give out your exact location if you don't, you know, don't feel comfortable with that. That's... <laughs> but... So originally we were, you know, chilling out on a farm in the middle of nowhere. And mm-hmm. then we had to move again, you know, a couple months ago. Um, and now we're like smack dab in the middle of town. And it's, it's a lot because I grew up in the country. You know, we've spent most of our, you know, time out in rural areas and being like in the center, you know, of kind of, you know, a bustling place, it's like, I'll look out the window and be like, oh, cop cars are at the gas station across the street again. Right, right. Yeah, what is that, what has that transition been like for you and for your kids too? Have you, uh, you know, are they, are they taking it well? I mean, they're, you know, obviously they're kids, so there's an adjustment period. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a lot of reasons to why we moved, and they're doing a lot better because of that. Um, because, you know, they're away from a lot of things that were affecting their life and, you know, not a super great way. Right, um, right. But the environmental change has been a lot because they don't understand, you know, why can't we just, you know, run out in the backyard and go, you know, play unsupervised? I'm like, sweetheart, this is not, you know, the backyard in Pennsylvania. Like, the there could be a rattlesnake out there. There are scorpions. Like, yep, there's it, lots of lots of different dangers that they didn't previously know about. Right, and yeah. you know it's a lot yeah. different because um, me and my wife we are very into exotic animals, so we're fortunate enough to have the knowledge of you know what's venomous, what's poisonous, what's harmless. Um, and my girls luckily know enough that, you know, if they see an animal and they can't identify it, you know, they have to come and get, you know, one of us right away. Um, but, you know, there's always that little, you know, thing in the back of your head of, you know, well, what if they make a mistake or what have you? Right. What if they misidentify something like they think it's a harmless salamander and it's actually something poisonous and, oh, and they pick it up here, here, mom, I wanted to show you this, like... Um, um, no, I can't see. He's he's asking if he's on camera right now. I don't think I don't see him. Can you can you see him at all? Nope, I can't see him. Okay, <laughs> like uh, I don't know. Like the view of us that I can see is too far away for me to actually like. Yeah, really... he's not in the camera shot okay. as far as I can see. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh. Uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, it's good that the kids are transitioning well, but what about you as far as, like, um, you said you grew up in a, in a, like, out in the country, so that's got to be a big change for you as well. It has been. The entire thing has been, like, a major culture shock because I'm used to being nestled in a valley, surrounded by trees. Um, the biggest thing was, you know, not feeling, you know, completely exposed, you know, because it's wide open out here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that that was the biggest thing is just how open it is. I'm like, where where are all of your trees and your mountains? And <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all sand there. I'm assuming. Yeah, it's very sandy and it's very flat. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did you, find one mountain. I got to hike up a volcano this uh, summer, so that was uh, that was very fun. I I got to see one mountain. Oh well, that's exciting, and you got to hike up it. That's exciting. Yes. Yeah. Um. I guess I don't have much else as far as questions, Taylor. I oh, I think it's just the time of day. She's not happy. <laughs> Mm. Well, um, if you don't have anything else for us, Parker, I think we're gonna have to wrap it up and and tend to some some home things here. You're good. All right. Well, uh, if you wanna uh, plug your book of where we can find you or uh, find that when it comes out, you can do so. So you guys can find me on Facebook. I have an author page under Parker Torado. I have a Instagram where you can see a bunch of cool visual stuff from the book. That is Parker underscore Torado. I have a Twitter, which is a little bit unhinged. It's at Bunny Boy, spelled B-O-I 93. (laughs) Uh, And then I have a Tumblr, which is also under Parker Torado, where you guys can get a in-depth kind of unfiltered look at the publishing process. All right. Thanks for all that. Uh, you can, uh, uh, there'll be a link in the description for that as well. But uh, thanks yep. for thanks for coming on today and thanks for chatting with us. Uh, excited yeah, for your problem. book to come out. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you would like to be on an episode, you can email youarethehostpod at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to stay updated, make sure you hit subscribe. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Again, my name is Jake. We'll see you next time. Bye.